Thank you, Janet Lee. You are just what I call splendid. And I just uh, never get tired, and I never will, listening to you hustle across those keys, pressing all those different tonal buttons, and going up and down that big bass keyboard with your feet. God bless you. That was beautiful. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are for part two, the diary of Mary Magdalene. You know what? I'm so moved on the spirit on this subject of Mary Magdalene and the the intensity of manifest depth that it has in its overall presentation of connectedness. Connectedness in ways that at this point in my teachings, most people won't even yet realize. But there will be some people that do. And I was playing on the piano and this song came to me and I'm not going to play it today. But if I get a chance to practice it and sort of put the parts together, maybe next week I might even play it on the piano and sing it. But that's no guarantee. But it sort of goes like Mary Magdalene. Were you there when Jesus preached the word? And she says, yes, yes, I was there. Mary Magdalene, were you there when Jesus did the miracles? And she says, yes, yes, I was there. Mary Magdalene, were you there when Jesus was taken before Pilate and judged? And she says, yes, yes, oh, yes, I was. I was there. Mary Magdalene, were you there at the cross? And she says, yes. And her, her answers get more intense. Yes. And she goes up higher in her voice. Yes, I was there. Mary Magdalene, were you there when Jesus was put in the tomb? And she says, oh, yes, yes, oh, I was there. And finally, Mary Magdalene, were you there when the tomb was, stone was rolled away and Jesus was resurrected? And she says, yes, yes, I, I was there, I was there. And it's really a great song. At least I like it. And if I can, I'll sing it for you. I'm going to have to have someone sing the ladies part, maybe my wife or my daughter. But um, there's a lot of, a lot of deep connection because when you think of all of the crucial places, that Mary Magdalene was at the forefront of always being there is quite an incredible connection to the revelation. Blessed be the name of God. We have called her the, 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 the Lady of Spices. And in the letter that we sent out, we write, Wake up, sleeping beauty. Fairest among women, your cheeks are comely, your neck is 
laced with gold strands? Who is this that comes with perfume, myrrh, frankincense, and the powders of a merchant, powders of a merchant? O daughter of Zion, my love, my spouse, your ointments are spikenard, saffron, calamus, and cinnamon. In the temple of your head, my love, and this is the song of Solomon, and we believe by the Holy Spirit this is Christ speaking to Mary Magdalene. I have seen you are marked with pomegranate in the locks of your hair as a true sign that you are from the Father's house. And it goes on, you know, with all these connections, which I won't probably get time today to make all these connections because I have too much here on my presentation list. But, and I want to, you know, cover just a few things that we talked about last week. We talked about that this is a time in Christendom to overcome the vanishing point. Those areas that are uh, beyond the comprehension of, 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 of the average mind. And only, that only by the punctuation effect of the Holy Spirit and the resonance effect of the Holy Spirit can the mind be opened up so that it's sort of like the creation of the universe when the Bible describes it as God stretching out the heavens. God needs to stretch out the comprehensive capabilities of our minds so that we can see with a deeper depth and a, and a greater breath. Blessed be the name of the living God. And we read last week in Revelations 22.17, the Spirit and the Bride say come. And we mentioned how strange that must be to a lot of ears to hear the statement, the Bride says come. They, they can understand the Spirit says come. Or that Jesus says come. But here emphatically, chapter 22.17, the Spirit and the bride, the two, twosome, joined together. The spirit and the bride say, come. So we see that this message that we are on with the diary of Mary Magdalene is a lot more profound and a lot deeper <clears throat> than can be expected by some snizzly little pebble that's just trying to get around the irrigation waters that are trying to push it out of the way so that the large works of God can come into play. And we read how that in Revelations 21-2 that John testifies that he sees the new Jerusalem and the holy, holy city out of heaven prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. We have to understand the language of the Bible and how throughout the Bible this emphasis is placed on the bride, the bridegroom, and, and so that things that have symbolic and various uh, spiritual uh, metaphors and representations, uh, they often are addressed with the uh, 
idea of, of the bride and the bridegroom. And there is a fascinating connection there that must not be missed and, and could be missed if people begin uh, to be, as has been in the past, those restrictions in which they have put labels on women. Labels that basically uh, you have a numeral zero. Uh, very, very little is attributed to to uh, anything that is um, uh, expected of their capabilities uh, if you, as you go back in time uh, as far as some of the cultures and, and the way that uh, uh, men especially uh, had this concept and this idea about uh, women and their superiority to them. Well, God is is taking us beyond the vanishing point. He's, um, we are told that if the blind lead the blind, everyone will fall in the ditch. And there are a lot of blind leaders out there. And that's what we have to get around, uh, you know, because it, it is the work and the call of God. <clears throat> we read in Joel 2.16, where the scripture says, let the bride go forth out of his chamber. Uh, pardon me. Let the bridegroom go forth out of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. And, and we, we showed uh, by this scripture and by the uh, Strong's reference uh, in the Hebrew uh, and um, how sad it was that the bride has been shut up in this closet and has not been able to uh, have the freedom to use the God-given uh, gifts uh, that are inherent with, with, within her. And this is something that um, <clears throat> God is in the business of, of changing. God is um, in the business of changing. Then uh, we got into this thing uh, a little further with the, the diary of Mary Magdalene. And we showed that what we're calling the, the, the diary is the book of life that every human being has. And Revelations 20, 12 through 15, tells about this living diary. And, um, uh, and, and so we're saying that, you know, God is opening up in the Word and opening up through Revelation uh, this diary of Mary Magdalene uh, so that this incredible uh, and sensational revelation that is attached to the whole meaning uh, of that uh, can become very fruitful in the minds of the listeners and, and in the minds of the people who are, are willing to, to open their hearts in a humble way and, and say, you know what, I want to open my heart to hear this message. I, I've been so blocked with, with indoctrinations about these things. I want to really give God a chance through this Holy Manifest ministry to hear these things and make sure that I'm not going to throw something away that's really a pearl of great price. We read in um, Luke 8, 1 through 3, how that Mary Magdalene had uh, seven demons and uh, a big to-do has been made out of that. And, uh, and of course, uh, people did not understand the truth of it and the revelation of it. 
and uh, and how the scripture said Mary Magdalene was healed by Jesus Christ of these what they were calling demons, but they weren't really demons; they were demons. And there's three words that that the the word demon, uh, including demon, uh, has been used to mean different things, like uh, uh, daemon, which are are the the genies, like the, you have genes, and and we call them genies because there are uh, ancestral impressions that have been made on your genes and 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 into your DNA that sometimes can be very uh negative and and in fact just be uh, blockage points that keep you from being able to 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 be what you want to be because they become an act of disposition uh that has a stronghold and and we have come to that point in life that God is saying I want those strongholds pulled down <clears throat> I want to pull down those strongholds. I want to set you free. And, and when we're dealing with, 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 um, an inherited type of thing that affects the, the body and the mind, then we are dealing with a healing, not a casting out of, of devils, a casting out of genies, but not a casting out of devils. That is a totally different thing. And, and so we revealed that uh, last week. And I'm sure from what I have gathered, the comments that I've gotten, <clears throat> that was a tremendous uh, help to a lot of people. And if you want to know more about that kind of a thing, then, you know, just listen to last week's uh, uh, teaching. Uh, it's, it's posted, and you can go back and listen to it as many times as you'd like, and uh, because it's about the diary of Mary Magdalene, and diary means, as I expressed last week, experience, memoir, uh, reminiscence, uh, life, journal, personal record, saga, profile, notebook, log, record. It means all those things. So those are very, very important. Then we got into this tremendous revelation, and it is connected to the Akka, uh, which is a special deep root uh, revelation uh, into a word uh, and and uh, opening up a special um, vision of, of uh, its uh, meaning in application to its use. So we looked at uh, Mark... Uh, 16, uh, 9, where it talks about, uh, Mary Magdalene being first, uh, in this particular, uh, endeavor of what she was doing. And, um, and then that word first, God began to show me was it was an akka root word. And as I begin to look it up, and you can find the reference to it in 44, 12, uh, that the word actually means proton, and that is like in atoms, proton, electron, you know, so forth. And it means first, firstly, at the chief of uh, uh, beginning, first of all, including 44.13 reference, before, former, 44.14, one standing first in the ranks, captain, champion, ringleader. And so we saw from this one word there was a description about Mary Magdalene 
that actually substantiated some of the other uh, uh, extra biblical books that talk about um, Mary Magdalene being an apostle to the apostles and that many that sometimes she was um, a person who gave instructions uh, to to uh, the apostles and um, uh, this was you know quite an incredible amazing thing uh, in fact the whole entourage of Jesus was quite amazing because uh, he has the 12 disciples, but then the Bible uses the word many, and there were many women that followed, and and these women were uh, involved in supporting the ministry uh, with with their uh, finances, and and I, you could be sure that uh, they were there to uh, to cook, provide meals. Uh, uh, to do, you know, whatever kind of laborious thing or, or preparation thing, uh, that would be helpful in the ministry, even in seating people for various things, like some 50 people, uh, into an area on a grass, uh, hill and another 50 over here. And, uh, these, these, uh, ladies, uh, they, they were incredible. They were in the, in the ministry. And, uh, we see though that with Mary Magdalene, that she has within the context of this word first, the revelation that she has a former before situation. So that before she was ever with Jesus as Mary Magdalene, uh, being involved with, with the disciples and with that ministry, uh, she had an attachment of very important, it's called a chief beginning. And, and, and she was at the very head of the, of the list first of all. And she was one, uh, um, uh, described here in 4414, one standing first in the rank. So when you look at the apostles and the disciples and you think of their different ranks, which they were many times interested in, uh, you know, the sons of thunder, they said, you know, we, we want to be one of us sitting on the right side uh, of the throne of Christ and the other on the left side. And they were all very interested in, in hierarchy positions and rank. But here, uh, you know, this, this puts Mary Magdalene, uh, for, with a special connection and, and something that goes back even before that early ministry of Jesus on earth. And, and, and it made her a captain. And it made her a, a ringleader, a champion. And it says it all within the, um, you know, the dissolve and solution of that word first. Mark 16.9. So those things are, are so absolutely important. It also connected 4416 to, to, uh, born from above. And, and, uh, that is just so incredible and awesome. Um, when you get into this proton thing though, which is what the word that has all this information in it is, that just has possibilities, uh, for being the basic building blocks of manifest realization and 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 holding within it contextually the positive the negative and as some people would say the yin and the yang and the proton and the electron we do know that in matthew 623 it says seek you first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you so as we get into 
in that reference, the 4412 uh, uh, application of proton, we see that, that, um, that God, uh, can open up a word. And, and it, it, it can have, uh, uh, in its meaning, a, a modifying force in nature or in the spirit. And, uh, it, it just, it just makes the whole essence of what God is doing to just be, be beautiful. Now, we read, uh, an amazing thing that might have been tough on, for some people, but it was in the book of Revelations 19. The book of Revelations 19. And, um, and it was, it was very interesting. Uh, and we start with the seventh and ninth verse of Revelations 9, 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. So now we see that Jesus, who is always, has been called the Lamb, and all through the references of the Bible, uh, obviously that is talking about Jesus. And, and, uh, and he has a wife. Now, what we have to understand is that we are not ignorant of the fact that there is the bride, which is the church, uh, which talks about the masses of the people. But one thing you have to uh, understand if you're going to if you're going to really get into this revelation is and and I'm going to be doing recent in, in maybe next week uh, a blog on this subject and it's called Jesus the Son of Man Jesus the Son of God and when we think in terms of Jesus being the Son of Man which he often is referred to as the Son of Man. Uh, and think about him also being the uh, son of God, uh, there is a distinctive difference in the application of those meanings. Now, when we look at the word lamb, that is on the physical side. That is an animal, that's an earthly animal, which is metaphorically being used in a physical and physiological way to describe the son of man aspect. So when we then apply to it the aspect of, of, the, of the wife and the bride, we have to then apply it in the physical because uh, this is not refi- re- referring to the spiritual collective body bride uh, who, who uh, uh, after, you know, uh, they're coming through the resurrection uh, will, will, you know, come into a, a divine uh, and spiritual body. Um, but it is talking about a physical uh, application because it's the lamb, which represents the physical side, so it's the son of man revelation. So now when we use the word wife, because it's, it, it is categorized within the physical son of man uh, under the term of lamb, which is a physical you know, um, entity, then we can see that it's talking about a literal wife, a literal wife. And, and that is very uh, important. And it specifically and expressively says, and his wife has made herself ready. And so there is incurred within that sentence the statement of preparation 
and of mission and of fulfilling and fulfillment of that mission for that whole expressed impression of ministry. And that is quite profound and quite a beautiful, inspiring thing to consider and look into, which we will be doing uh, here before this day is out. We um, we describe some things about, you know, uh, that are really uh, interesting revelations. Um, you know, um, and, and, and it's important uh, to cover these things. Um, like um, in uh, Matthew 17.27, uh, I guess I should read it. Matthew 17.27, let's just read it because it says read. So we better be obedient and do what our notes have been. Okay. It says, Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast a hook and take up the fish that first cometh up and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt have a piece, find a piece of money that take and give unto them for thee and me. Because this disciple got involved in tribute, which he shouldn't really have to pay, but he opened his mouth and, and uh, obligated himself. But when Jesus is talking about this money, and of course, uh, Magdala, the city of Magna, Magdala, the, the town of Magdala, was the widest uh, um, spot on the Sea of Galilee. It was right on the Sea of Galilee. And that, as we described to you last week, was where Mary uh, Magdalene, uh, who lived in, in uh, Magdala, and which the name Magdalene means the same as Magdala, Magdala and, and, um, and, and she had uh, this um, factory where she cured uh, fish and, you know, used various spices for some of the better fish. And uh, so what her code was and, and that uh, Jesus gave and the disciples knew it was first fish. So when Jesus said, "Go to the sea and catch the first fish," you know, and and um, and he's using all the the fish uh, metaphorical metaphorical language, he was talking about go to Mary Magdalene and get the money we need and bring it back to me, and that's what he was talking about. But he was talking by code because um, it was very important uh, for it not to be common knowledge to the bystanders out there, um, and especially any of the people in government, that their ministry was being supported uh, by Mary Magdalene because uh, she was getting a lot of her income from from the various um, uh, wealthy families that were involved in government. And uh, we explained all of that, you know, uh, last week. And you can go back and listen to those, you know, to those, um, the, to the teaching on last week's, uh, uh, you know, uh, radio uh, broadcast or, st- or broadcast uh, period. So blessed be the name of God. Uh, I think that was an interesting thing to know about and, and to understand. <clears throat> all right. Then we talked about. Uh, John the Beloved, and uh, how that, um, uh, you know, um, he, how that the Bible 
uh, in several of the of the various uh, gospel books, mentions uh, John the Beloved and and how that he would lean on the breast, uh, the chest of of Jesus, and how that he that that you know Jesus loved him, and and uh, and they would talk about the disciple that Jesus loved, and um, and how that he would lean on the on the on the breast, and and uh, now some people have said, well, you know, it's been hard for a lot of people to understand that. They could understand it better if. If John would have been a, a woman, so in some of the um, uh, the various books and uh, so forth that that has come out, uh, there has been those who have said that uh, that the the Last Supper, uh, when it showed uh, you know John the Beloved leaning on uh, the breast of of Jesus uh, Christ, that that actually was Mary Magdalene. But I think, you know, it's well worth taking the moment uh, to turn to the Gospel of John, uh, verse 17. And, of course, the whole idea there would be as if there really wasn't a Mary Magdalene and a John, but they, the two of them were the one and the same, per, uh, one and the, and the same uh, uh, you know, uh, person. Uh, maybe um, Mary Magdalene would wear a camouflage or something like that. But in the in the twentieth chapter of the book of John, and the seventeenth verse, Jesus saith um, uh, to her. Now let's see if I got the right thing here. Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended. Uh, um, yet uh, um, go to my brethren and say unto them. I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and spoken these things unto them. And um, um, it, um, if you if you follow through reading this story about um, Jesus, about Mary, when she comes and she she uh, talks to the to the brethren. Uh, you will see that that um, that the two of the people that she talked to uh, in the scripture are described as um, as a, a Peter and as um, um, the other disciple. So we find that in the twentieth chapter, uh, verse three. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran. Both so they both so they ran both together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came first to the sepulchre. Now, uh, within the context of the scripture, it makes it you know very clear that this was the disciple that Jesus loved, and so it it actually puts Mary Magdalene and this disciple uh, that Jesus loved as both being together uh, doing uh, in in different actions playing two different parts so this basically uh does does in that theory that Mary Magdalene and and uh the uh, beloved disciple were one and the same uh, party you might have to read uh, two of the gospels uh, uh but putting them in this same uh you know um, action in which they run to the uh, the, the tomb and uh, 
and uh, then where the names are given and it becomes obvious of the two persons that are involved there and how that uh, Mary Magdalene is also there with them talking to him, which proves then that that whole story about, you know, Mary Magdalene and John, uh, the beloved uh, being the same is just not Bible. So it's good. It's good to know the scripture and good to have that down. And um, I'll try to be just a little bit more specific on that if I if we uh, bring this forth into you know next week. Then there was a in Mark fourteen three five, there was an alabaster box, uh, which has quite a story to it. But it's it's important to tell because people are confused as to who this woman was that that came in uh and um and who was uh, supposedly uh, you know quite a sinner and it doesn't give the uh, the aspects of what that sin was uh you know and some people have had different ideas well there is a very important thing to know about that and if we look at um uh Mark chapter 14 verses 3 and 5 and being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman and uh, having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this uh, waste of this ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence, and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble you? She has wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me you have not always. She has done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you that wherever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of in memorial of her. Now, the incredible thing here is that this new woman on the scene who knew very little really about Jesus, especially even the disciples didn't seem to always remember or, or, or know, even right up to the last, about you know Jesus uh, going to die on the cross. They they just couldn't seem to keep that in their mind, and and uh, but Mary Magdalene understood that that's why she was you know she was at the cross. She was there at at Pilate's hall when when the sentencing took place. She understood what was going on, and Mary Magdalene understood this thing about. The, um, you know, the, the, this very importance of, of the anointing him for the dead and how that, uh, uh, for burial and how that, uh, uh, that there may be interference and may not get the opportunity, uh, to anoint him if it wasn't done ahead of time. Now, this other lady that actually did the anointing didn't know anything about that and couldn't have known anything about it. But Mary Magdalene, 
uh, did not want her to go in there personally herself and do this because uh, she was known in the business sectors. And and she had to be very, very careful because of her business that was being used to support the, the, the disciples uh, that that uh, certain of these things were kept very confidential. Uh, but, you know, this, um, this um, alabaster box uh, was worth about 300 pence. Which means in that day it was worth about twenty thousand dollars, and that would in that day be about a year's labor. It take about a year for the average person to own that. So only someone like Mary, who had her own business, and she was a master of spice and 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 all those kind of things. And in this. Um, uh, revelation that I mentioned to you uh, uh, in the letter that we sent out, uh, it talks about the very product that was in this alabaster box. Uh, and, and uh, it, you know, you might want to read that again, where it mentions about your ointments are spikenard, uh, saffron, cal- calamus, and cinnamon. That spikenard, of course, was uh, one of the main products that was in, and that was so expensive in this uh, uh, box. And, and it was also like uh, the kind of, uh, of anointing um, oil product that was uh, considered a royal anointing, something that, that even was akin to what Moses used for anointing and, and what ro- royalty would use for anointing of kings. And uh, so it was very, very valuable. And so and Jesus, Jesus knew Jesus knew that this woman that came in was being a proxy for a Mary Magdalene. And she also wanted that woman to do it because that woman was had a great need. And so that it was it was a two way thing that happened. That woman got a blessing out of it and a healing, and then Mary Magdalene got secret recognition and and, and it's you know, it was to be a memorial. Uh, you know, from now on. And, and that's why it's time for the, you know, Mary to come out of the closet. It's time for her to come out of the closet. It's time for people to understand this incredible thing that was done there on that day and, and, and the beauty of it and the power of it. And the, uh, that, and Jesus totally recognized she's done this for my, you know, from, from, uh, the anointing of my burial. And, and it's, it's, it's just, I just think that's so so incredible and so beautiful, and uh, and how that that uh, this tied back into Mary Magdalene uh, in such a you know a, a be- beautiful uh, you know way. Now uh, <clears throat> uh, the um, in Luke eight one three, I'm not going to turn to it. It tells about how the women traveled, uh, you know, with the disciples. And in uh, um, Luke 8, 2 through 3, uh, it talks about how they ministered their substance to Jesus and the disciples, you know. And, um, and then, then in, in uh, uh, Luke eighteen seventeen, uh, it tells us that there is nothing sacred, there is nothing hidden that shall not be manifested. So it is, it is the Bible's language and the Bible's intention and the Bible's pronunciation of of, uh, of of the language of intent that uh, this uh, was to be known, and so bless God, we are erasing one of those additional things uh, that belonged to the 
to 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 the the blackout mirror, uh, you know the blackout mirror that you, you look in, you only see yourself darkly. Uh, God is uh, lightening up uh, these things and bringing us closer and closer into understanding the language of the Bible. In John chapter two, one through eleven, uh, there was an occasion in which there was a marriage in the town of of Cana. C A N A, and uh, and the there was the governor was there, and the disciples were invited, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, was there, and she came to Jesus, and she said, um, that they're, they don't have any wine, they're out of wine, and Jesus says, Mother, you know, what what are you doing? What are you asking? My time has not yet come, you know. And and uh, uh, why are you asking me to do this? But then uh, she went and told the, the servant. She says, now whatever he asks you to do, you do it. So uh, he came to this, these servants and he says, get me some vessels and uh, fill them with water. Then he turned the water into wine. And this was the first, the Bible says in, in John 2, 1 through 11, it was the first a miracle that he did. Now it's interesting that the very first miracle that he did, and his disciples were there, but the first miracle that he did was at a wedding. And 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 the the, the governor of the wedding, uh, you know, he came and he says, uh, after having given out all this other, uh, you know, um, wine uh, that was less quality. Uh, now at the end, you've given out the highest, best tasting, best wine at the end. And he was really curious about that. Uh, but I think that the, uh, once again, the, the inference, uh, the, the accentuation, the punctuation uh, on this thing from the very beginning, the first thing of the first aspect of his miracle ministry starts with the subject of marriage. Uh, uh, it, it is just, you know, all the disciples were there. They witnessed it. Witnessed it. The mother of Jesus was there. Witnessed it. Um, it, it, it cannot just be slipshod through and, and, uh, put into some, uh, lazy daisy mental, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, think a jig of, of something that may or may not be or some, some, uh, lazy imagination. Uh, a person has got to come into that scripture where it says that, you know, all things are going to be manifested and, and there's not going to be anything hidden. There's not going to be anything kept out that we're not going to know because God wants the knowledge of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. And so there's this beautiful aspect that, that is given in that, uh, that miracle, which was, which was the beginning of his ministry, and it starts with the subject of, of marriage. And if you think then that the thing about marriage and about the, the part that Jesus would play into it, and about him turning the water into wine, and all the meanings that that incurs, uh, I'll tell you what, it is absolutely a staggering uh, amount of, um, of, uh, of polished um, furniture that is ready to go into the house of God. Blessed be the name of the living God. Now, um, we have to get into this thing uh, about the spiritual aspect. 
and and about this thing uh, because if people don't uh, really come across and get into the understanding about the duality, the Son of Man, the Son of God, if they don't get into this understanding of the Father's house as described in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, and and they begin to miss the the implications and and and, and the the spiritual references and the physical references that are so tied in to to this thing of of the Father, then they are they're they're going to just they're going to miss the boat. They're just going to miss the boat. That's that's just what it, what it amounts to, and it's uh, it's serious enough that that everybody. Uh, you know, really, really needs to uh, uh, give consideration as to these whole things. <clears throat> now, when we think about the mission of Jesus, we could say, well, why couldn't Jesus have just taken on a body that was already an adult body and just suddenly, spontaneously appeared with this adult body and um, begin to minister his works of redemption and healing and miracles. He started his ministry at the, about the age of, of 30. He could have just appeared already grown, already 30 years old. But instead he came and he was born as a, as a child, as a baby. And there was all kinds of experiences and things that happened there. He was born of a woman by a virgin birth of the Holy Spirit. Now, when God chooses to replace the human male with the Holy Ghost to bring forth the birth of a child, it didn't mean that 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 act that took place did not have a physical transition that employed the the seed germs of a man with with Mary because there is this thing in the teaching of the Bible called deferred progeny or deferred progeny and it basically is in various places in the Bible like, for instance, we can think in terms of Levi, who the Bible says, even though he was not yet born, but he was in the loins of Abraham, that when Abraham met Melchizedek, that he is given credit by deferred progenity of paying tithes through Abraham in his loins, not yet born, to Melchizedek. So we see then by deferred progenity that there can come forth through Mary's genes, both that which is the feminine side and both that which is the masculine side, going back all the way to Adam. So that there could come forth from her into her genes, both that which is the jump of the genes, all the way back from Eve and all the way back from Adam, making then Jesus Christ, as it says in Corinthians, the second Adam. And that's deferred progenity. So that whole thing of the virgin birth is just an absolutely marvelous, incredible thing when you understand it in the deepest application. And when you understand that even 
while this baby was just a baby, the child Jesus, there was involved these three uh, royalty type of persons who were searching to find Jesus. And there was a starship. Could not have been a star. There's no way it could have been a star. When you get into the dialogue and, 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 and into the aspects, uh, you know, geometrically and logistically, it could not have been a star. It could be a starship, though, and that's what it was. And it led the wise men, and there's more to that story, but that's not our subject today. To, to Jesus. That was all part of what was to happen. From the very beginning of the earth mission, there was to be a connection of this child to another world. To another world that was so absolutely updated and connected to this birth of this Adam-deferred progeny becoming the second Adam. that this vehicle, not belonging to this earth, belonging to another world, was part of the whole showcase of what was to happen at the birth of Jesus Christ as he was being brought into this world and the connection of his special anointing being broadcasted as to its whereabouts and location that his body was to these royalty, who people call them kings, who came to bring presence for his birth. And that's such a story. But if you, if you shelve this, if you, if you forget that everything about the birth of Jesus Christ is connected to the Son of Man and to the Son of God. There's a physical entity, there's a spiritual entity. And so the, the space, space starship has an important connection. And, and it just has to be understood. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says Christ came down from heaven. So when he came down as a baby, came down to be born as a baby, there were things that were happening there to make that make that to be possible. And we can read about that in 1 Corinthians, verse 35. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. When you make a transition from one body to another body, then that other body goes into the, the sleep, uh, which is all, also called the death. But Jesus used those crossover terms different times even he used it with Lazarus. And he says, Lazarus is sleeping. They said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'd be fine. He can't be sleeping. And then when he saw, he just couldn't get it into their noggins. He said, okay, we'll just call it death then. He's dead. 
They said, oh, that's better. But Jesus knew what he was talking about when he used the word sleep. And, and so there has to be a cessation of this, of the one body before the transmission into the new body. And it says, thou food, that which thou soweth is not quickened except the first transition takes place until that, that first body goes into that death or sleep. And that which thou soweth, now get a hold of this one, that which thou soweth, thou soweth not that body that shall be. Now, let's read it again. And that which thou soweth, thou soweth not that body that shall be, but bear grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it has pleased him, and to every seed his own body. And so when, when in the 16th chapter of Mark it talks about Jesus coming in different forms and different bodies, we have to begin to understand these, these uh, transitions moving from one realm to another realm, from one world to another realm of high advanced capabilities of not only doing phototransitions, but also doing phototranslations and going into these different kinds of, of bodies that are going to fit the customizing of the environment so that when this body was to come and be part of of the, the legacy and the biology of Mary, which was going to incorporate all of those, her, her phys- physical aspect and the um, physical as- uh, aspect of that other uh, uh, quality and, en- and energy and substance that was deferred, then that set a tonation or a figuration of that body that was to come, of what it was to be like, and thus was was formed in God's will according to His Word. The body that Jesus was to have, and was to grow and develop into to uh, adulthood. It's all a beautiful and 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 uh, very very uh, neat neat thing, and so. What though this boils down to that people have really got to to get to and understand is that just like the birth of Jesus involved things from other another world, the starship. The Bible says that no man knows the coming of the Lord. No man, no angel. There's no other entity since only the Father knows. And so when a person doesn't get involved into the total insight and interconnectedness and sovereignty of the Father and all of those things that are applicable to the Father, then there is no way they can know this truth. And if you've got people out there and they're not talking about the thing that Jesus said in John 14... In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go away to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. And if you leave that out of the equation of the ministry of Jesus Christ, this other other property, this other faraway place, this other world, you leave it out of the equation, 
which is involved with the Father who knows all, then there's no way that you're going to be updated on the truth and the real factuality of what the Bible is really teaching and really really saying. Because you you have left that out of of, of what makes the, the, the total consensus have factuality to it. It's no small thing. When we look at um, Revelations 19.4, it talks about the armies of heaven. These aren't just minor little things. We're talking huge, incredible things. Matthew 7.21 talks about the will of my Father. We've got to get into the will of the Father to really begin to understand what all these things mean. Now I want to get on to something very interesting along the lines of what I promised you I would talk about. And that's about these the many comings and goings of Jesus Christ and the many raptures of various persons. And rapture, someone will say rapture is not in the Bible. Well, hold on. Rapture um, is described by words in the Bible. And whenever you're dealing with the definition, if you have an equivalent to the definition in the in a descriptive phrase, then that that is good enough. That's equal to be in the word, because it is precisely describing by the phrase or the sentence what the single word is. So they are equivalent. And so that is the case in, in many of these uh, particular applications. So when we look at Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, it is just very, very interesting. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, we that's a, that's a rapture. God took him. Why did God take him? Well, there's some description on that, but there's a whole lot more inferred if we were wanting to get into it in a technical way. There's a lot more inferred. One of the things is Enoch walked with God. And out of the walking with God, he began to have an association and a spiritual liveliness connected with God. And it's just so beautiful and it's just so important. And God already knew that there was going to be a flood. God already knew that the world was going to be covered with this flood. Now some people say, well, I don't believe in that flood because I've studied archaeology and so forth. Many of these things that people say couldn't have happened, they base it not having been able not being able to happen all based on timeline. And if you were actually 
stuck on using that timeline that has been interpreted by people interpreting the Bible, even some scholars, yes, it would be a problem. But in the manifest revelation, there has been uh, uh, deep insights and revelation given showing that the timeline, as, as basically understood by people, uh, you know, quoting the Bible, is misunderstood by thousands of years. And so when you put these perspectives and happenings, like the world flood, going all the way back, you know, like 10,000 more years, and, and show how this all happens, then it changes everything. It makes what doesn't seem to be possible to be possible. And there's many other uh, things that could, could be said and, and added to that to make that presentation have a lot of, um, of, of reality. So there's, like, there's a rapture right there. Now then, in Second Kings, and uh, we get into Second Kings chapter 2, well, this is a, a famous rapture that everybody knows about. Verse 1, And it came to pass that when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah uh, went with Elisha from Gilgal. And um, in verse 11, after he had to try to get around Elisha, who wouldn't leave him, wanted to be there, he had to finally make a deal with him. And the deal was that if you see me go up, then I'll grant you your wish to have a double portion of my spirit. Verse 11, And it came to pass as they went on and talked, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, horses of fire. Now, we're just using the language of their day to describe space vehicles because they don't know anything else to use to describe what this this thing is they're seeing and the horses of fire parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and there's there's another rapture then in 2 Kings 13 2 Kings 13 this one takes just a little bit of of using a little bit of thought. This is about Elisha, who was given the double portion. Verse 20 of chapter 13, Second Kings. And Elisha died, and they buried him, and the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. Well, there was just about one or two things that never was fulfilled. In order to have the full promise fulfilled of Elijah, so that he had a double portion of everything that, that Elijah did when he caused a, a river to part, or when he caused a fire to come down from heaven, or it to rain, uh, Elisha did every one of those things. But he didn't have the thing where he was raptured up to heaven. And he was behind on one episode of raising someone from being dead to life. 
Well, there had been a plan all along. It wasn't forgotten. Elisha died and they buried him. Verse 20, 2 Kings chapter 13. And that bands of Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold, they spied a band of men and they cast the man that was dead into the sepulchre of Elijah, Elisha. Elisha, sorry. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. And many of the scholars, and, and I say so myself, that at this very event, that when that man came to life, those bones of Elijah came back into reconciliation of all their ligaments and and he was he was raptured because that was meant to fulfill the promise that Elijah made because otherwise you take away a whole promise that really is a spiritual episode of the power of uh, of the word of, of Elijah as a prophet and it fulfilled the ministry of Elisha and there you have the third Now let's look at Psalm 68. The book of Psalms, chapter 68. Now someone said, well, what's this got to do with Mary Magdalene? Well, you just hang and hold and you'll find out. Just hang and hold. 68. There's so much going on here in this 68th chapter. If we just if we just skip around just a little bit, and I show you over in the 17th verse, the chariots of God. Remember the chariot that took Elijah up? The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. And they're, they're hovering over Mount Sinai where the covenant was given. And, and, and they are there for different purposes. But there's a special purpose they're also there for. And we're going to talk about it. Let's, let's read this again. 68.17, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels, and the Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. Thou, meaning the Lord, hath ascended on high. He's up on high. He's over this mountain. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast re received gifts for men, yea, for the rebels also, and the Lord, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Wow. Verse 22, the Lord said, I will bring again from Bashan. I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea. Here we got another rapture. People being brought from out of the sea. People being brought from Bashan. People that were in various kinds of captivities are, 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 being, uh, are being carried away with these chariots. 
Just like Elijah was carried away with a chai of fire, here's 20,000. This was a really, really, really big, it was a huge rapture. There was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that were raptured in this particular rapture. It was absolutely incredible. Wow. Turn with me to Matthew 24. St. Matthew 24. Okay, and here's what it says in St. Matthew 24, starting with verse 37. But, as in the days of Noah, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, till the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not, Till the flood came and took them away, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man. Now here's the incredible thing. What is going to happen with the coming of the Son of Man? What's going to happen? Well, verse 27, for one thing, says, For as the lightning, now we're talking about the speed of light, and that's just the slow speed. That's not streak, streak speed. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even into the west, so shall also be the coming of the Son of Man be. Wow. Wow. Okay, let's go on with it. Back, back to, down to where we were. And listen to this. Verse 40, I said they knew not until the flood came. Verse 40, then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be that way in the coming of the Son of Man. There will be two, one will be taken, the other will be left. There will be... Two doing something else. One will be taken, the other will be left. So now we have Jesus saying that during the time of the flood, although there was only eight people saved by water, there was all kinds of other people that were saved by air. The Bible talks about being caught up to meet Jesus in the air. And, and that the angels would, would, would be gathering up the people from the east, the west, the north, and the south. So now we've got the rapture of the progeny of Enoch because it is those people that the Bible says, now hang and hold and, and listen in, that as it was in the days of Noah, now during the flood time, you know, even, even, even people like Noah's uh, father, these these were people that were connected to 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 the to the the sons of, of Enoch. They had a family connection. There was a, there was there was a lot of them. There was a lot of different children and so forth. And and as it was in the day, as as it's going to be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, he says that's going to happen when when this when this rapture comes. This it it already happened like that back in in the days of the flood. 
So there's another rapture when they took up the children of Egypt, pardon me, of Enoch. And we know they took a lot of them because the Bible says in the, in the book of, uh, of Jude that, that one day these people that were taken uh, to the Father's house, one day these people that were taken up and, and carried away with the angels, that one day they're going to begin with tens of thousands of the saints. It's not talking angels, it's talking humans, saints. There's another, there, there, there's, there's another rapture. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. You'll get the point of all of this in a little bit. You'll begin to see why I'm, I'm going through this and how beautiful it is, how, how this all applies. Praise the name of God, people. Praise the name of God. Ephesians, here we go. Chapter 4, verse 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto man. Now that he ascended, what is it? That he also uh, descended into the uh, lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Wow. What's it talking about? What's it talking about? Well, let's look at... Um, Let's look at First uh, Peter, chapter 1. Wow. First Peter, chapter 1. This is pretty awesome, this whole thing. Now, some people might try to connect that, that scripture of led captive captive to the to to the sixty eighth chapter in Psalms, but they are not the same. They are different. And the application is different. So here we are in first Peter chapter one verse four. And let's see what what have we done here? First Peter it may be that we need it to get into Second um, Peter. No, here it is. Oh, I see what it did. Yeah, okay. What you really want is First Peter, chapter um, three. Verse eighteen. For Christ has has for Christ also has. Um, once offered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went, by which, that statement that he just made, to be quickened, by which he went and he preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing. Now these people have been hanging around 
from the days of Noah all the way to the days of Jesus when Jesus was on earth and until Jesus went on the went on the cross and during that 3 days during the cross and when he gave up the ghost in the time of the tomb when he went down into we could call it purgatory or whatever you want and he preached to these spirits who were sometimes disobedient verse 20 which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a, was a preparing wherein few than his eight souls were only saved by water by, you know, at that time. The light figure, wherein too even baptism does now also save us, not the putting away of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and on the right hand of God Angels and authorities and pirates being made subject unto him. Now, there's a bunch of people right there that he's taken up that, that were that were in prison that he's let go. That's a bunch of people, and uh, that that is uh, that is uh, just um, quite beautiful, quite beautiful. Um, now we're not done yet here. We've got some more uh, good stuff uh, to read on this that just really ties it in and, you know, just, just makes the this whole story, you know, um, a, a beautiful story. It's, it's a beautiful story when you really begin to to hear this revelation. It, 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 it is something that just <clears throat> makes you excited. Okay, it talks a little bit more about this in chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. For, for, for this cause was the gospel preached unto them that are dead, that they might be adjudged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. <coughs> there you have it. That whole purpose of preaching to those, to those dead people was so they might be judged according to men in the flesh, although they were spirits at that time. He preached to the spirits in prison, not to men but so that they might be resurrected into physical bodies and begin to be able to move within the spirit understanding of those physical bodies. Those are part of the people that went up in that rapture. That's only part of it. Now let's go to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. And here's what it says in Matthew 27. Here's, a, here's some more of the people that went up at that same time, during that same time. There's a, there was a lot of people that went up. <clears throat> I remember when Jesus was on the cross, and there was a great earthquake that took place. And the centurion said, Oh my God, this, this man, he's what he said he was. He's, he, must be, he must really be the Son of God. And he was just shaken. Well, in Matthew 27... And way over there, verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son 
of God. Wow. Well, those persons which were connected into a, a, an incredible experience of getting a restoration of their memory. It's all part of this grave thing. A restoration of their memory, of remembering who they were. People that belonged to, they were aliens here. <laughs> they were aliens here. They, they belonged to another, another world. They were also on those chariots with the people that were taken from the dead, uh, that were the spirits been held in that prison all that time from the time of, of, of the flood till the time of Jesus on the cross. They were part of the saint. They joined these other saints that at the earthquake were all, were all brought up out of the grave. What for? To just go around and be, be human again? No. To be, to be prepared to be taken up. And they, they witnessed, they went out and testified and witnessed to some people before they were taken. And that's, that's number six. And then there was the man that was on the cross. And Jesus said, this day will you be with me in paradise. And that was lower Hades. I'm sorry. That was upper Hades. That was paradise. Uh, that was paradise. And, and that's where these spirits were. And he went there too. And no doubt, he was included in that group that was taken up. No doubt. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we apparently are having some technical difficulties. Please bear with us. I don't know really exactly what is happening, but uh, apparently uh, uh, we may be getting um, an overlap or or something of that nature. Uh, I I went out and um, and did buy a, a more expensive uh, system uh, to broadcast with, costing us uh, you know considerably more per month. Uh, and uh, the last week it was just beautiful. I don't know exactly what's happening this time. I'm very sorry. Bear with us though. Uh, if we do end up you know some of it missing, not coming through. We do well have it all on the recorder, and it will come through on our recorder. And when you play the archives, you'll be able to get it without, uh, hopefully, without any problems. Okay, so now we've got six raptures, and um, uh, so now let's. There's 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 another rapture that's due to happen, and we can go back to Matthew 24, and in Matthew 24. We can read that same thing that has not happened yet that a lot of church people are waiting for. Now, we don't think it's going to happen when they think it is. We think it's quite a bit later. But it is another rapture, you know. And uh, 2431, and it says, and, and then he shall send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from in one end of the, uh, of the earth into another. So now there is another uh, an, another uh, experience that is a rapture that hasn't happened, but it's going to happen. Now let's get on to number eight. And this one's going to get interesting. Jesus is raptured. Luke, turn with me to Luke uh, 2450. Here's what it says. And he led them out Jesus, as far 
as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into the heaven. Now there we see where Jesus is carried, carried up into the heaven. This is obviously a spacecraft, one of those chariots of fire. But, you know, there's other scripture that goes along with that that a lot of people aren't aware of. For instance, let's look at Psalms 91.12. Psalms 91.12 also talks about this and predicts this thing in a quite a beautiful way. We'll start with verse 11. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And what this is talking about, you know, when, when something turns to stone, that petrification uh, is the result of a very long and ancient time that results after rigor mortis sets in and a body becomes more ancient, more ancient, and the, I mean the residue and just, you know, the flesh uh, uh, deteriorates and, and, and rigor mortis sets in. But Jesus had been promised in Psalms, you know, that, that his body would never see corruption. And so it was a beautiful thing. So, uh, so he has promised that the angels are going to lift him up. He's going to be, he's going to be carried up, lifted up, so that, so that, uh, uh, this is not going to happen to him. He's not going to turn into that, that, that kind of a stone. This isn't a rock of ages thing. This is about something that, you know, is, is dead. It has no life in it. And, and, and uh, that is, uh, you know, just quite, quite, quite beautiful. Blessed be the name of God. Okay. Now, <clears throat> now we're going to look at something else. And this, <clears throat> this is going to be about the rapture of Mary Magdalene. And, and let's look at, um, at Isaiah 53.10. Turn with me to Isaiah 53.10. Now first off, let's just start with 53.1. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So we understand contextually the subject is about the Lord. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or comeliness that when we see him there, there is no beauty that we should bear, desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid him as it were our faces from him. He was despised, we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our, our, our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. We like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one uh, to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, do you have any question in your mind that that's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ? If you do, well, God have mercy on you. God have mercy on you. Praise be the name of God. Because that is, this subject, this whole chapter here, 
is is about that. Now let's go on down, skip down away. Uh, well, verse 9, he, he made his grave with the wicked. When he was on the cross, there was people that were bad bandits and uh, and with the rich in his death because, and the rich, that tied into uh, to to that special disciple, Joseph of you know, Amimathea. And uh, because he had done no violence and neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Now, get a hold on this. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Now here is a prophecy from one of the greatest prophets prophets that ever lived, Isaiah. And here is the word of God. And this is incredible. This says that at the point at the point that he has, when he was on the cross and he said, it is finished. He says, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And when he said, it's finished, I have done it. I drank this cup. I fulfilled it. It's finished. And he made his soul. At that point, at that point, after he has done that, is when he is going to see his seed, his seed. Personification, personal. Now his seed, if you if you take the time to look up seed, it can include your children, it can include your wife, it's your family. Those are all part of your seed. That doesn't mean, you know, just that we're um, created from sperm, but it does include that. But it, it means the family. And even grandchildren and on and on and on, they all become part of your seed. That's why it talks sometimes about Abraham just like seed of, this, of the number of the stars. So now we've got the timing that at the, at, when he has finished it on the cross, Mary Magdalene goes up with him. And he comes into this, he returns to the Father, he says, I'm going to go to the Father. Now that doesn't mean that it happened right that day on the cross, but it means that at that time that he went up in Bethany, there were other people that had already begun to be assembled and begin to be gathered, and that were part of those, that crew that was to be taken up. He did not take up John the Beloved. Because John was under a prophecy, and he was under a work to do, and he was to to live through the seventy A.D. Uh, um, you know destruction of the Roman uh, uh, soldiers and army uh, in Jerusalem and destruction of the temple, and he did. He he went to move to over in the Turkey area <coughs> to Asia Minor, and and it was there that uh, that he was able to. Um, you know, to to survive, and uh, and he did survive, and uh, and uh, he 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 lived over uh, him and his brother James lived over a hundred years old. He would he would come to the father's house later, because that was a promise that Jesus made to all his disciples, 
I go away to prepare a place for you where I am. You may be also. Now we have the proof that Jesus had seed. And we're talking in a personification case, son of man. Son of man that was physically hung on the cross. And this included his wife, Mary Magdalene. Now, there is something so absolutely important here. There have been, over the course of history, persons that have gotten the idea that somehow Jesus never fulfilled his ministry on earth because of these prophecies, like in this particular scripture, and also in Psalms 91, uh, not 91, but uh, Psalms 61, I think it is, in which it talks about the longevity that Christ would have you know, during his time. And they feel that because the certain religious sect, that because he did not fulfill that, therefore he failed in his mission as Christ because he didn't, you know, he didn't fulfill ha- having a family, he didn't fulfill having, having a wife, having children. Uh, but you see, they did not have the whole revelation, and those uh, people have made judgments on Christ. God have mercy on them for being so ignorant. And because they did not have the, the keys to the kingdom that unlock all these mysteries. They didn't have that. And, and, and so they didn't understand this thing about, you know, the, the, the star uh, ship that came down. And how that's connected to the Father's house. And how the, this, how the relevance uh, of this whole thing uh, about the family and the children is fulfilled and and there is a duality there is a duality of this whole revelation but you know what I'm running out of time and I'm not going to finish this today I'm going to have to have a third a third teaching in which we're going to get into some sensational things but you've had a lot of sensational things here today you have been lifted up in your mind Lifted up in your spirit. Lifted up in your heart. The power of the living God is reverberating. The amtristic power of God is shaking loose the cobwebs from the gloom. People who have been out there preaching destruction and the end of the world and the end of the world. Not offering peace. Not offering hope. Not understanding the timing. Not understanding the plan may end up being those that are going to be made the least in the kingdom of heaven because they're, they're preaching air, air of doctrine to people and teaching them things that are not true. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. God is so beautiful. We, as fallen angels, were put into physical bodies to experience all of these sort of animal type of things. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way that we were. Our Father in heaven, reach out here today and touch those who are sick in body. Whatever their problems and whatever part of body they are sick, Let the power of the Holy Ghost go through these 
these electrical lines and these broadcast mediums and begin to heal them and deliver them ever with from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. God bless you. We love you. We love you. Amen.